The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from Mark chapter 10, verses 2 through 16, and it is found on page 1570 of your Pew Bible. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, when they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this, and he answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Now, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So, as you listened, as we listened to today's gospel, we heard... Jesus and the Pharisees debate the subject of divorce. And divorce has been a problem in all of the ages, throughout all the ages, and, and throughout all cultures. And it is an ongoing situation that still affects our society today. And some among us have experienced the pain of divorce personally. 
and all of us know divorced people. And none of us, none of us are immune to the effects of divorce on society. Now, I imagine you, most of you, have heard of the statistics that approximately half of all marriages end up in divorce. And a more surprising statistic tells us that the divorce rate is slightly higher among Christians than the population in general. And this statistic can make more sense when we take into account that many of the couples that split up never married in the first place. Young people who decide to live together will often say our marriage will probably end up in divorce anyway. Why get married in the first place? And they assume that it is natural for marriages to fail. And it is fairly obvious that divorce is just as relevant today as it was in the Bible during those times. Now the culture in Jesus' day, well, they did, say, they did something that we still do today. And that is, they tried to rationalize a permissive attitude toward divorce. And when Jesus referred the Pharisees to Moses, they came up with a passage from Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. And part of this teaching on divorce reads as follows. When a man takes a wife and he marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house and she departs out of his house. So this law... This law required the husband to write down how his wife had violated her wedding vows and that he had found some indecency in her. And there was a great debate, huge argument over what that the indecency could be to justify the divorce. And get this. During Jesus' day, when he made this astounding proclamation to his disciples in, the, in their own home, this was the legal opinion. That it could be something as trivial as burning a meal or gaining too much weight for divorce. And today, we have 
no-fault divorce laws or irreconcilable differences that do more or less the exact same thing. Now, these Pharisees, though, these Pharisees, they had violated one of the basic rules for understanding any book, and especially Holy Scripture. What is that? Well, I'm going to tell you. And that is, you've heard this before, Scripture interprets Scripture. Amen? Okay. Instead of debating among themselves what that passage in Deuteronomy meant, they should have looked elsewhere in the books of Moses for clarification. Then they would have found the passage that Jesus quoted from Genesis. Jesus said this, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. He quoted today's Old Testament reading from Genesis. And then he reminded his listeners that this was God's original plan. God's plan. And then later, when Jesus and his disciples were alone in the house, he added this to his teaching. And that's when he said this, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And it is obvious by this statement exactly what Jesus thinks about divorce. He's against it. Now, there are many reasons that God holds marriage in such a high regard. And so he condemns divorce. And because of time, I have enough time to talk about one of them today. So I will focus on what is mentioned in our Lutheran book of worship here on page 202 in regards to marriage. And in that green book, you will see that it says that they, rejoicing in all your gifts, may at length celebrate with Christ the marriage feast that has no end. In marriage, we see a picture of the communion between Christ and his bride. And who is the bride of Christ? You is. The church is. His bride, who he loves. Okay, now hold on to that. One of the most powerful images of the Holy Christian Church is the vision that the Holy Spirit gave to John the Evangelist in Revelation 21, 9. He records this, Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, 
like a jasper, clear as crystal. Now, when you consider how beautiful every bride looks to her groom as her father presents her for marriage, consider how beautiful we, the church, will look to Christ as God the Father presents us to him. Beautiful bride. Now, the members of the church were not always that beautiful. In fact, at one time, not one of us were members of the Bride of Christ. So, in effect, we had all given our certificate of divorce to God and sold ourselves to sin. We took up residence in sin's brothel, and we became sin's filthy playthings. We became sin's slaves for life because we divorced ourselves from God. And Christ grieves deeply when the members of his beloved bride are unfaithful. God's expression of grief is much too graphic to speak to young ears that are here or listening online. So I would ask you, the mature of you, to read about God's grief in Ezekiel 16. Ezekiel 16 and his grief in Jeremiah 3. Because there what you will find is this. That God expresses his grief as though he was a husband coming home to find his wife in the arms of another man. That is his grief. He is betrayed by the filth of our sin. And every time we break any of God's commandments, we break the first one. We fear We love and we trust someone or something more than we fear. We love and we trust him. And before we can violate his ordinances, we must first violate him. And before we can despise his word or his name or his creation, we must first despise him. And every time we sin, we try to place ourselves above God. And every time we sin, we tell God that we want a divorce. Now fortunately for us, God is not a God of divorce. But he is a God of reconciliation. And he does not seek to remove members from his bride. But he wants to bring members into her. He prepared a bold sacrifice that reconciles us to him forever. And he saw that we were slaves in a perverted marriage to sin And he knew 
that the only legal way to break up a marriage, even a perverted one, is through death. And so he found a way. He found a way to kill us so that we could have a new life. First, he took on human nature. And he lived under the law, and he kept it perfectly. He was totally faithful to God. And then he took our filthy sin into himself so that he could suffer all the painful results of our divorce from God. And he allowed mere men to beat him and to hang him from a cross until he experienced death. And then finally, he conquered death and he returned to life. And he beat a pathway through death into life. And now he has ascended back to his father and he prepares a place for us, his bride. Now after Christ completed his work, it became our turn to die. And all of us who are members of the Holy Christian Church have already died. Paul reminds us when he writes to the Romans in Romans 6, 3 through 4, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Through the water combined with God's word, we become part of Christ's crucifixion. And the Holy Spirit washes away the ugliness of sin and fills us with beauty, with the beauty of Christ's righteousness. And we are now, as according to Romans 6.11, dead to sin and alive in God in Jesus Christ. And because we are dead to our sin, our perverted marriage to sin is over because we are alive to Christ. But now we are a member of his bride, the church. And we are now ready for God, the Father, to present us in all purity and nobility to his beloved Son. Now, in biblical times, the groom would pay the bride's family for the privilege of marrying their daughter. And this payment was called a bride price. And Jesus Christ has paid the bride price in his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. He has paid the ultimate bride price for us. And we are priceless. We are priceless in his eyes. We are members of the most beautiful bride in this or any other universe. And one day, the groom will appear and he will take his bride home to live 
with him forever. And on that day, all those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will come with joy to the eternal wedding feast of the Lamb. And all those who believe will celebrate. For in heaven we shall be reconciled to God forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.